Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Passing Shot with Joel and Kim, the tennis podcast by fans on today's Aussie Open draw special. Novak Djokovic is ready for his title defence as Rafa Nadal faces fitness doubts. Ash Barty's back whilst Hallett, Osaka and Serena land in stacked bottom half. And Dan Evans gets Cam Norrie in the Battle of the Brits down under. Kim, the Australian Open draw is here. I've got to say, I'm quite relieved that we've, we've got a draw to discuss because, you know, 24 hours ago, it was a pretty perilous position. You know, play had been suspended. There was no Thursday play in all the tournaments going on in Melbourne at the moment. But that all seems to be in the past now. And it looks like we are going to have a first Grand Slam of the year in Melbourne. The draw was delayed, but we have got it now. And yeah, I'm, I'm sort of relieved the fact that we've, as I said, we've got something to discuss. I know. I mean, we're just thankful, really, because all of those players that had to isolate on the Thursday, they couldn't go and play. They all had to get COVID tested and they uh, fortunately all came back negative. So the AO is ready to commence. Fingers crossed. Touch wood. And we have two fabulous singles draws to dissect on today's podcast still waiting on the doubles draws i have to say but we can get our teeth into the singles draws and i have to say joel i was looking through especially the women's draw earlier i know and i was highlighting you know (laughs) matches of interest and i basically had highlighted the whole draw because it's just absolutely jam-packed as as per I know that women's draw, which we'll come on to, is absolutely stacked, particularly in that bottom half. It just seems fraught with danger, but we'll, we'll come on to that. And we'll also be revealing, uh, I know our listeners are going to be very excited. We're going to be revealing our collector set picks as well um, towards the end of the show. And we're going to be giving our predictions, our last Brit standing as usual. So um, it really is going to be a jam-packed episode, but we're going to start with the men's singles draws and uh, looking at the kind of top seeds and their sort of player pathways. So, of course, we've got Novak Djokovic, um, we've got Rafa Nadal and Dominic Thiem um, as the kind of the top three seeds. And then we've got Medvedev as well. Um, I mean, let's start with kind of Djokovic and Nadal because, you know, these are kind of two of the big three. There's no Roger Federer here. And they've really kind of, I think, you know, started in quite contrasting fashions because, you know, on one side, you've got Novak Djokovic, who's looked great at the ATP Cup. I know his, I know Serbia haven't made it through to the semifinals, but he's looked good. He had a good test against Sasha Zverev um, today against Team Germany. Um, so he looks quite good, whereas... Nadal hasn't been on court yet. I feel like Nadal has been like, he's, he's been great at cheerleading uh, his team, but he hasn't stepped out on court yet. And there is a bit of a question mark over sort of his fitness. I think he has a, a sore back. But um, I mean, looking at both of their, their draws, they, they, they look like, you know, the first week for both of them, really, they can sort of, you feel like they could sort of ease themselves into, 
into the first Grand Slam of the season. Yeah, I don't envisage too many problems for either of them. Just on paper, looking at the draws, I think um, Novak's first round against Shardy will perhaps be more difficult than his subsequent three rounds. Um, obviously, a lot of eyes drawn to the fact that Stan could be his fourth round opponent. But I mean, we said previously, you know, Stan had COVID in the off season and is, you know, struggling a bit, I think, getting back where he um, wants to be. So I... That, that may never happen. Uh, and if it does, it, it might be a disappointment. But yeah, just on, on paper, really, I mean, I guess in Rafa's draw, we've got possibly Dan Evans coming up in the third round. But, uh, you know, from British perspective, that would be quite interesting. But I think until you get to the quarterfinals for both of them, when Novak could play Zverev, Rafa could play Sitsipas, I think could be fairly plain sailing. Um, famous last words, but... <laughs> I, I've got to say that, yeah, for Djokovic, that fourth round is potentially, yeah, his first sort of, uh, first sort of test. He could also face Milos Raonic, who actually has looked in pretty good nick, I think, um, uh, at the start of the season. I always think there is a little bit of an injury sort of question mark over him, um, you know, whenever he steps on a, a tennis court. So that could, you know, not happen. But, you know, again, kind of talking about Stan Wawrinka, I don't feel like you could write off an Australian Open champion, regardless of of how they're kind of going to turn up. So that could certainly be, you know, that definitely could be uh, very interesting. I mean, for Djokovic as well, he could play Zverev in the quarterfinals. Now, you know, Team uh, Serbia have played Team Germany today in the the ATP Cup, and Team Germany actually uh, won that to go through to the, the semi-finals. And even though Djokovic won his singles match against Zverev, it was a real, um, it was a really kind of tight contest. Both um, both players really, um, really bringing it. It went to you know three sets, as did the the doubles as well. And Zverev came came out on on top. So it, that will again be an interesting sort of narrative to see if how that kind of plays out with with Zverev and that sort of reuniting after, you know, such a, a dramatic, um, you know, day, you know, for Team Serbia particularly, you could see it was a very highly emotional match, uh, Djokovic smashing his racket um, on a changeover. But um, yeah, it's, um, it will be, a, it will be an interesting one. And I guess, Kim, let's kind of quickly also talk about Rafa Nadal because he is suffering a, an injury. I mean, as a fan, are you kind of, concerned or are you not really I mean he might be going into you know the first Grand Slam of the year having not played any tennis he might play um you know in the ATP Cup maybe get a singles match in but he's do you feel like he might potentially be going in a little bit undercooked yeah maybe it would be good if if he can't play the singles if he could like get onto court for the doubles um, tomorrow for the semi-finals of the ATP Cup because yeah when I heard he had a stiff back I was thinking okay okay that doesn't sound like too serious but because he hasn't played either of the ties it it sounds like it might be something a bit more I mean I hope I hope he's just being you know cautious and preventative but I'm sure he would have ideally wanted some matches under his belt and I don't really like anyone kind of going to slam without having any kind of um, you know real real kind of practice going into I mean I don't know how actively he's been practicing this week I mean he did play that exhibition in Adelaide but yeah I mean it's tricky, isn't it? I mean, Laszlo Jair first round, I'm sort of, as a Rafa fan now, I'm thinking, actually, that could be a disaster, perhaps, if Rafa is, you know, struggling with an injury. But we'll have to just wait and see see until he, you know, steps onto that court. Um, he might come out all guns blazing and it's just, you know, he's just being cautious by not, not playing the ATP Cup, which, you know, obviously isn't as important as 
as the AO. Um, I have to say, though, Joel, if we're looking at the top four seeds and their kind of pathways through, looking at Daniel Medvedev's path, should the kind of draw work out um, according to rankings, I think he's got the easiest path of all out of those top seeds. I mean, you know, Pospisil, Karbaez, Bayena, Krajanovic, Goffan, I don't see any of them posing any problems for Daniel Medvedev. And then even in the quarterfinal, I think he... I think he's going to make kind of fairly easy work of, of Rublev, um, you know, his compatriot, I have to say, or pot- potentially RBA. But I just I can't see him not getting to the semis. Yeah, I know. I think he's got a really not quite a nice draw. And also, I think that is kind of couples quite nicely with that. He's arguably one of the most informed players at the moment going into the Australian Open. He's looked very good um, in the ATP Cup. I think he's on a 12-match unbeaten streak, uh, you know, following on from last season when he won the Paris Masters and the, you know, the ATP Finals. Um, he's in he's in the semi-finals um, with Russia in the ATP Cup, and you know it's not just the the number of, of matches he's won um, without losing, the the quality of opponent as well, because eight of those twelve wins have come against top ten opposition. So he is going to be in really fine form um, going into Melbourne. And you feel like this is a surface that really he can compete with, you know, the likes of Nadal, uh, Djokovic. And team, you know, he might even feel like he is in a position to do a sort of dominant team and, and get to the final, um, you know, in, in, you know, in the 2021 kind of competition. Uh, interesting to see that he could play Rublev uh, in the quarterfinals. Um, that could be a sort of you know, battle, battle, battle of Brits, battle for Russia. Um, but, um, you know, that could also be, as you said, Bautista Ragout. Uh, I mean, if, if there is a Rublev Bautista Ragout fourth round match, in my head, that has five sets all over it. I feel like one of them might knacker themselves out for meeting Medvedev in the quarters. But um, yeah, I think I think Medvedev will be happy with that draw. And also the fact that he has got Nadal, I think, in the bottom half in that sort of in that semi-final. We know that they had that fantastic match at the US Open where Medvedev came very, very close to to beating Nadal. And, you know, he'll obviously have great experience from that Um it feels like he's landed in, you know, in the right half um, and with the right sort of difficult opponent in Nadal and not Djokovic in the semi-finals. That um, it, it might be, it might be primed for him. I think. I mean, I don't want to bet against Djokovic. Like he is the heavy favourite. But do you think? I know Dominic Team. He's coming in. You know, he lost to uh, Berrettini in that in the ATP Cup. Like perhaps a bit surprisingly, I feel. Dominic team hasn't shown necessarily kind of the best form coming in, but I mean, there hasn't really been many opportunities for him to do so. He's got an all right draw, but I do feel that, I don't know, are we, are we giving Medvedev the edge over team? So it, it, again, you know, because of the way the draws panned out or I do that actually think no team, if he's got a semi against Novak, as opposed to a final, has he got a better chance of actually beating Novak in a semi than it being the final as he has at the Roland Garros? Yeah, I think Dominic Team's an interesting one because I think he showed last season as well. He's a little bit of a slow starter when it comes to the start of the season. And, uh, you know, as the season went on last year, he got better and better. Um, so I do think there is a question there on you know how well he starts. But having said that, of course, he got to the final of the Australian Open last year and, and pushed Djokovic all the way. Um, but having said that, I mean, again, he's got a... 
He's got a sort of a little bit more of a difficult draw. I mean, he could face Nick Kyrgios in round three, but it also could be Hugo Umber. Um, and then in round four as well, he could play one of Dimitrov, Chilich, uh, Karenio Booster, or Nishikori even. Um, so I feel like this draw, this part of the draw is quite kind of tight. It's got quite a few sort of players lurking um, who on their day can spring a you know spring a surprise you know you've got some real quality in there as i said nishikuri grand slam champion chilich grand slam champion um you've got other players as well like schwartzman um Auger, aliasim uh yannick sinner and denis shapovalov which will of course we're going to get on to um who are playing each other in the first round um but really i think this is the this possibly is if there is a surprise i think um is that if there is a surprise semi-finalist, I think it might come from this part of the draw. Um, mm, okay. What do you? What do you? What? Do, oh, I sense. I sense you, you surprised. <laughs> surprised by that. Well, I was just thinking if Rafa is quite badly injured with his back, it would be from his quarter. But then I suppose Sitsipas, who is in Rafa's projected quarterfinal, would be the one to come through, which perhaps isn't as much of a surprise. And he could even beat Rafa anyway. Um, yeah, I suppose so. I just feel like team would still get the better of whoever that quarterfinalist would be, whether it's Schwartzman or Sinner or FAA or Shapovalov. It is open. Like, who's going to get to that quarter? It's open, for sure. I mean, I'd love to see a rematch, of course, between Team and Djokovic in the, the semifinals. Mm. And I think the other kind of question, I think, for Team now is that, you know, he won... He won his, uh, you know, he got the monkey off his back with uh, that Grand Slam victory at the the US Open last year. Um, but I think there will obviously still be some doubters in, in the sense of, yes, but he did that without beating Novak Djokovic and without beating um, Rafael Nadal. And in this competition, with both of them present, he mm. might think that he will need to kind of prove again to people that he can win a Grand Slam with um, you know these two players in their field, and he won't. Maybe he won't actually feel like he's arrived um, until he has kind of got one of those sort of career-defining um, best of five set wins against someone in the big three en route to becoming um, a champion, which we know is is a very very difficult and, and tall order. And the fact that you know if he's going to do that at this Australia Open, he's he's going to have to go through. Djokovic will potentially go through Djokovic and Nadal back to back um that would be a real if that did happen that would be a real statement but even winning against one of those and then becoming the champion again it would be a real statement that arguably um you know his victory at the US Open may not have had because it didn't have one of those uh, players involved yeah, no, 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 um, you know, no offence to Sasha Zverev, but it's not, not quite the same, is it, when you've got, um, yeah, Djokovic, Nadal, etc. Um, if he does, you know, go on to win this event, beating those two, then absolutely full credit, because that's probably the toughest thing in tennis, uh, perhaps ever on the men's side of the game. But just a note about Rafa, if he does win, um, obviously Rafa's going for a record-breaking 20, 21 Grand Slam titles. Um and also, he would be the first player to win both, uh, well, all four Grand Slams at least twice. So obviously, Rafa is going for history um, at this event. But I do feel like because of this issue with his back, um, and not to mention it being Novak Djokovic's, you know, he's an eight-time champion. It's going to be impossible almost to beat on this court. Um, I do feel the odds are against Rafa, but I you know, would like to mention that if he was to do it, that would be 
you know, uh, amazing. But yeah. <laughs> and I guess also the, you know, the story with Rafael Nadal is that he is now, you know, with that French Open win, he is at 20, he's equal 20 Grand Slams with Roger Federer. So he is obviously going to be super motivated to overtake, you know, overtake Roger Federer and be that number one. And, you know, with each of these kind of Grand Slams that, that happen now, um, when they're kind of level pegging, um, this is going to be a big opportunity for him and especially the Australian Open because Roger Federer is not here. So he will probably see this as a big opportunity for him to kind of, uh, you know, take that, um, you know, take that number one outright number one spot in terms of number of grand slams. Um, because yeah, they're, they're kind of both sitting on equal at the moment. I think, I think everyone would have loved kind of a, a Federer Nadal final. With oh my gosh. On, uh, yes. Both of them on, e- on equal number. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe that'll happen in the future. I don't know. Maybe but that would, that, will. that would write itself. That would write itself. But, um, I mean, yeah. it, just, just, just very quickly, actually, cause, cause on, on Nadal, we didn't, we didn't mention it, but, he potentially has the, one of the trickiest sort of round fours going because he could face either Alex de Menor, who is, you know, really great prospect in, in Australian tennis, generally in, in world tennis, or he could face Fabio Fognini. And we know, Kim, that Nadal sometimes, I'm not saying every time, but sometimes if the right Fognini turns up, he can cause Nadal some problems, uh, like at the US Open uh, a few years ago when, uh, well, he, sh- he shocked him in five sets. Oh, let's not go there. <laughs> oh, let's not go there. Fognini's also beaten Rafa on the clay. So yeah, he's a bit of a bogeyman sometimes for him. Um, I don't think ADM would pose as, as much of an issue. I feel like every time Rafa's played him, well, I know they played in the ATP Cup last year, but I, I don't, I feel like ADM is still lacking when it gets to slams. Oh, best of five sets. I don't, I feel like he doesn't have that edge needed but he may prove me wrong this tournament (laughs) Um, but let's just have a look at you know the rest of the draw because um I mean we've got the Brits you know I mean of all the draws Joel we've got you know Cam Norrie Dan Evans we've got only two men in the draw this year and who do they get in the first round but each other I mean that is just odds law isn't it (laughs) but at least we'll have a Brit in round two I suppose if we look at it from that side of things (laughs) I know so frustrating to see that why? Why did that happen? Um, yeah, it, it was really, it was really annoying. I mean, it's kind of bittersweet at the moment because Dan Evans is on a great run of, uh, form. He started really well, um, in his tournament in, in Melbourne. I'm, I can't remember which one, I can't remember which one I don't it know, is. But he's in the semi-finals. <laughs> he's in the semi-finals. He beat Border Chorich in straight sets, um, in the quarterfinals last night, which was great to wake up to. So he, I would expect him. He was. He's going into that match as the the heavy favourite um, against Cam Norrie. But um, it's kind of interesting because the their matchups. I mean, officially the head to head is one nil to Evans, um, but that goes all the way back to the Aptos Challenger in, in 2016. Um, but they they met five times in 2020 in the Battle of the Brits. Uh, competition in in Roehampton and Norrie came out on top of that kind of 3-2 so although that was kind of unofficial the number of times they played each other last year that they're surely going to know each other's game inside out and that might you know that might um you know play on you know that might play on each other's mind and they'll have to think about how I guess they approach that and even though they're kind of friends off the court you know once it gets to kind of the first point that you know uh you know, a potential r- round three uh, 
meeting with with Rafael Nadal's on the card. So, you know, it's all going to be gloves off and um, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. But, you know, you would expect Dan Evans would be the kind of, as I said, the, the big favourite kind of going in unless, unless uh, all I can think of, you know, the fact that he's had to pull double duty, you know, in the, the ATP 250 this week, if he gets to the final, you know, it's it, it might just kind of, um, you know, maybe it'd be too much too quickly. I, I don't know. Yeah, he might be a bit fatigued from his exploits. Um, I mean, he shouldn't be, though. He's been in quarantine for like 14 days, but uh, yeah, no. I don't, we don't know. We don't know because we're, we're thinking, you know, these players, we might actually even see more injuries or, you know, walkovers or retirements because of quarantine. And, you know, the fact that these elite level athletes have had to kind of shut down their bodies for, you know, for 14 days. So, you know, it's not necessarily a done deal, yeah, oh, I think normally I would say Dan Evans, but I feel like Cam might just edge it. I mean, it, it could be a real humdinger. And I should just say thank you to at GB Tennis for that stat about their head to head. You know, Cam Norrie was our longest standing Brit at the US Open. I feel like it could be mm. him again. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, very true. I mean, I, Dan, Evans, Dan Evans' form in Grand Slams last year was not great. It was not befitting really of his, his ranking. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, they will be both certainly licking their lips um, at the the prospect potentially of of facing a dare I say unfit Nadal in in round three. Um, I mean, let's just look at some of the other sort of round one matchups that this draw has thrown up, uh, which might be worth staying up for, getting up early for. Um, I mean, my eyes were drawn to Shapovalov versus Sinner. Um, I think that is just oh, an yeah. awesome, <laughs> awesome first round. I'm really hoping Yannick Sinner wins that one. You know, he's he's in the semifinals of one of the two events, <laughs> um, either the Great Ocean Road Open or the Murray River Open. Um, and yeah, he's having a good start to the season because he won the Sofia Open at the end of last year. I think he's on like an eight match winning streak, um, which, you know, may or may not continue you know i was sort of surprised he actually wasn't seeded um mm. because uh it, it was um yeah he's he's been playing that well and shapovalov as well has also been playing very well um he's he has had two defeats to zverev and djokovic in the atp cup but he pushed zverev all the way i think to a third set match tiebreak and again against djokovic he he made him work for his victory he definitely also looks in in very good form and that is certainly I think one of the popcorn matches of of round one but certainly there are other others as well Medvedev Pospisil uh Pospisil could be quite a tricky competitor I expect Medvedev to come through that but again Pospisil is quite a wily experienced player we we know he's quite can be quite a decent singles player uh, on his day Sissipas Simon Kim, you know I'm a big Gilles Simon fan. Um, Allez Gilles. <laughs> Allez Gilou. Allez Gilou. Gilou, sorry. Yeah, I think Gilou, you had yeah. all your hair on him quite a lot, Joel, actually. You've got a very oh. Simon-esque hairdo. Wow, that's a big compliment. Big compliment. <laughs> Is it? Um, okay. Yeah. Anderson, I mean, Anderson Berrettini. Berrettini looked fantastic in his, you know, that win against Dominic Team. Really kind of blitzed him. Took me took very much took me surprise by by surprise. He won four and two in in that sort of match. But um, again against Kevin Anderson, very 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 strong and, and durable player. Um, Sangren de Menor. That's that's got my eye because Sangren, two of the last three years, he's got to the quarters. Oh, of course, yeah. At the AO, so uh, maybe ADM will lose in the first round, which will not be very good for home fans, but. 
you know, Sangren, he's, he, uh, you know, has, he has a history at this event. So I wouldn't be surprised if he won that one. But also, um, another match caught my eye. Another young player, Carlos Alcaraz, who is a qualifier and um, had a good win over Goffan in the week as well. He's playing uh, Botic van der Zanschulp. You just wanted to say that name, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, because I messed it up. But um, <laughs> he's also another qualifier and obviously a new kid on the block, perhaps. But yeah, I'm just really intrigued to see how, how Alcaraz does um, yeah. you know, in the event, how far he could possibly go. And that's a good first match for him. Yeah, because he had a really great victory against uh, David Goffan um, in the, again, in one of the ATP 250 events uh, <laughs> this week. Uh, really kind of statement victory because he was in, it was pretty comprehensive in, in straight sets. And I am also interested to see how that plays out, particularly because they could, he could face uh one of my favourites, Hubert Herkaj, in round two. Um, and the winner of that would, could then go on to play Stefanos Sissipas. So I think there's quite a few tasty uh, matches around that sort of part of the draw. Um, one final match as well that caught my eye in round one, which is a match that, you know, like a few years ago, you probably say was a, a quarterfinal, uh, quarterfinal sort of matchup. And that was uh, Grigor Dimitrov versus Marin Cilic. Which, mm. um, yeah, as I said, it feels like a match that was probably box office four, three, four, five years ago. But now it's, I mean, sign of the times, isn't it? That's a, it's a, it's a round one matchup. Yeah, I saw that that was kind of, you know, being heralded as a, you know, one to watch. And I thought, oh, what? They're a bit past it now, aren't they? Like, I'm really sorry to say, but I don't think that would be as exciting as it maybe sounds. I, I know that sounds really harsh, but yeah, if it had been a few years ago when they were kind of at the peak of their powers, then fantastic. But I mean, that could go five sets, Joel. And another one that I think potentially could be a five setter is Fabio Fognini against Pierre Hugues I think that has the potential to go the distance. You've sold me already just by saying <laughs> that. Just by saying that, you've already sold sold it sold it to me. And just one last thing, Salvatore Caruso. He's playing on uh, well henry laxanen i was gonna say Henri, but that's like Henri continent anyway henry laxanen who is a qualifier but malik jaziri is not there so oh, i'm afraid you can't shame. you, know, you don't have any jaziri to <laughs> to cheer on but joel let's um before we kind of take a break and go on to the women's draw let's make some predictions for the men's event um who have you got in your final four who have you got in your final who have you got as your winner Yes. So my final four uh, in the top half, uh, I am, despite naysaying a little bit Dominic team, I still think he's going to have a little bit too much. And even though he has been a little bit of a, I think of a slow starter, I think he'll kind of come come good. Um, and I'm going to go for Novak Djokovic, Dominic team in the top half. I'm going with the seeding. Um, bottom half, though, is not quite so with the seeding. Um, I've got Daniel Medvedev against Stefanos Tsitsipas in the semi-final. Yeah, I know you're probably shaking your head at me now because I've not said <laughs> Nadal. I'm sensing, I'm sensing a Tsitsipas Nadal quarterfinal with Tsitsipas coming through it. Um, I just think if if there are any sort of fitness doubts um, over Nadal, if he gets that far and he. he and, and and he gets to uh you know match up with Sissipas. I think Sissipas is good enough now to kind of well I think it's exploit that and if he's not 100% Sissipas is going to come through that. So I'm going to go uh, as my final four Djokovic team Sissipas Medvedev with my final being 
Djokovic versus Medvedev. Um, as I said, I think Medvedev is in great form at the moment, and I think he's just gonna just gonna carry on doing what he's doing. Um, and I've got Novak Djokovic as my champion. Um, I, I I think he's the favourite. I think he will win. He has looked good in the ATP Cup. There has not been. Uh, there's no reason for me to think he's not gonna. He's not going to be champion, especially yeah. Kim, because um, there's going to be Hawkeye electric electronic line calling on the court. <laughs> so there's going to be no there's going to be no like people on on the court for, so for any sort of controversies to happen. So I'm going to go no Novak Djokovic. There'll still be an umpire. He could. You well, know, that's true. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, I I think that summed it up really well when he said that there's, there's no reason not to think that Djokovic would win. And therefore, I, I agree with you very much. Um, I've actually gone exactly the same as you, um, except I have put Rafa in there in my semi-final. Um, I've got to go with my boy, <laughs> although I, I am a bit. Mm, uh, but I don't. Yeah, I, I'm just going to go for Rafa. Uh, but I think Medvedev will get the better of him. And I think, yeah, Djokovic-Medvedev final, Djokovic to win. Could be five sets. I think he'll come through though. Um, so there we there we have it. Um, we'll be making some more predictions later as well. Uh, but let's just take a quick break. Uh, but do join us in the second half where we'll be looking at the women's draws as well as announcing our collector set for this year's Aussie Open. So see you in a moment. This is The Passing Shot. You are joined by Joel and Kim. And now we're going to move on to the Australian Open women's singles draw, which I have to say, as per usual, it's a lot more open. We've got Sophia Kennan as the defending champion, but we've got world number one Ash Barty back. We've got French Open champion Sviontek, who's probably a bit of an unknown quantity on, um, you know, on hardcore at a slam. Um, I don't really know where to start, Joel. Um, I think, you know, projected draws are a lot less reliable for the women's side of the draw. So we can look at things on paper, um, who would be playing who. But I feel like in reality, that's just not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are looking at the draw as a whole and looking at that bottom half and feeling it is very bottom heavy. I think I saw a stat that was saying that there was it's kind of like 40, 40 or Grand Slam uh 40 or grand slams in that bottom half versus eight grand slams in that top half. So it feels like all of the big players um, are in that bottom half and it's going to make for, you know, it could be a, it could be an absolute bloodbath. We could get some absolutely fantastic matchups very early on, particularly in that bottom half. But I would not be surprised if in that top half um, we might get more of our kind of, um, you know, surprise, surprise, potentially surprise packages, first time semi-finalists, first time finalists, maybe. Um, so we'll, we'll see, but let's, let's kind of talk about the, I think we should start Kim with the bottom half because it is so loaded because it is so, so juicy. We'll come on to the, the top half second, but, um, yeah, I mean, where do you start with this, this bottom half? I mean, let me just, let me just give you some names in the, in the bottom half. We've got Bianca Andrescu. We've got Garbina Muguruza, Petra Kvitova. Uh, Naomi Osaka, Sabalenka, Serena Williams, Iga Swiatek, Simona Halep. I mean, wow! It's just, it's just. Where, where do you? How do you go about kind of picking someone from from that half? It's just, it's just so loaded. 
Yeah, and anyone on their given day can, you know, create an upset, you know, or or put in the performance of their life as we know that they can do. You know, I'm thinking Angelique Kerber could potentially pull a run out of the bag, but then I do say that quite a lot and she never does, um, or at least not, you know, for a few years. But yeah, I mean, maybe Asaka, let's start with Asaka because, um, you know, she is the third seed, uh, but, you know, she's doing really well um, in the... Oh, Gippsland or Yarra Valley. Which one is she playing, Joe? It's a nightmare, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I think she's, she's doing really well at the moment. I don't know. But she's doing really well. Um, and she's looking in fairly decent form, although did drop a set to Katie Balter. Um, but yeah, she, I think she possibly has the hardest draw of all. Um, but I think she's actually quite up for it. She said she's quite excited about it. So I don't think she's letting it phase her. Um, which I think is a good attitude to have. I mean, her first round alone, Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova, you know, that that could be an upset. I would not be surprised if Pavlyuchenkova beat Osaka. Um, but I also think Osaka is going to win the whole tournament. So I'm a, a bit of a conflict of myself on that one. Um, but I mean, if she gets through that round two, possibly Caroline Garcia. I mean, I would love to see Garcia pulling off a a big win, but I don't think it's going to happen. But round three, possibly Onjabur. Round four, possibly Muguruza, who has looked really, really, really strong um, so far um, as well at the start of this year. She's she's not really losing many games and she beat Kenin, um, you know, in a repeat of, of last year's AO final. Um, and then if Asaka gets through those players, she could have Kvitova quarterfinal, I mean, possibly Andreescu. And then obviously semi-final, she'd be up against either what Serena uh, or Halep um, or possibly Sviontek or, or possibly Sabalenka, you know, as if either <laughs> as if Serena or Halep wasn't enough. If they lost, it wouldn't be, you know, Joe Bloggs from down the road. It'd be Sviontek or Sabalenka. I mean, it's just it's just ridiculous. It's just. It's yeah. great. It is a bit. Uh, I mean, it's just it is a testament to, you know, the depth in, in mm-hmm. the WTA at the moment yeah. and the yeah. fact that we've got all of these you know, these characters and these, these players that um, are, are really kind of, you know, they all have the potential and it feels, again, you know, we've said this before, but it feels very much more uh, open than the, you know, in the, the in the men's draw. But um, yeah, I mean, I, all those, I mean, Osaka's, yeah, as you said, she's excited for the challenge. I hope she is. She interestingly said, you know, um, she said, I think she said something along the lines of, you know, honestly, I've never seen a projected draw come true. And I think, you know, for Sarkis case, I hope she doesn't, I hope it doesn't come true because that is, it's just so hard um, on paper. Um, but I mean, I would love to see some, you know, big hitting, some matchups against people like Muguruza, Kvitova, Serena Williams, of course. Um, it would be very, very, very fascinating to watch. And yeah, as you said, she's been in, she has been in great form. And, um, you know, if there is probably any one player who can kind of handle this and kind of go through and just take it one match at a time, it is Naomi Osaka. I think she's very well, um, I think she's kind of matured quite well and she's learned how to kind of handle the expectation. I think, you know, we spoke about when she first turned world number one, you know, I think she wasn't, she wasn't ready. She wasn't, she was still kind of in a learning sort of experience of how to kind of handle that pressure. But I think after kind of winning, you know, another, um, you know, after winning the US Open, I think she's able to handle that more, you know, handle the limelight, handle the pressure. And at the, so, you know, regardless of how difficult the draw looks on paper, I think that she, you know, potentially could, could get all the way to the final. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a hardcore slam, so I think she's got to be like right up there. Um, yeah, actually, at the time of recording, she is on a 14-match win streak, um, and it is the Gippsland Trophy that she is playing in, um, not the Yarra Valley Open. But, um, I mean, from that side of, of the draw, we've also got Serena Williams, who, you know, looks in quite decent form um, in the Yarra Valley Classic. Uh, you know, she's got wins over Prongva, Daniel Collins, but she withdrew from her semi-final um, against, I think, Ash Barty, wasn't it? Because of a um, shoulder injury. So question marks about her fitness yet again. Obviously, she had that Achilles injury, which forced her out of the French Open. And it just seems like, you know, she's getting all these niggles all the time now. And I know it's probably just precaution that she's, you know, withdrawn um, from from the Yarra Valley. But I, I do sort of, it does put question marks over her. Uh, I think earlier in the week, you know, she spoke about the fact that if if the Australian Open um, was held at its normal time, she sounded like she probably wasn't going to make it. And the only reason she was able to make it was um, it had been, uh, you know, delayed to, you know, the start of February. Um, but yeah, it was kind of an odd one to see her kind of pull out of of that match against Barty. I know you said it, it was it probably was precautionary because on on the court um, in a match, I mean, it, her serving speed wasn't down. She didn't, I didn't think she brought the trainer on even even in the kind of the, the post match press conference. She seemed pretty upbeat, so I don't really know kind of what was happening there. So I'm not really, to be honest, I'm not reading a lot into that. Um, I'm reading more into you know, Serena Williams and, you know, this ongoing quest for her 24th Grand Slam title. Um, and, you know, she, I think she does look really, I think she does look really good. I know we've said that before and she, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. But you've, you, you know, we, we spoke about this on WhatsApp, Kim. You thought that she could come unstuck against Laura Siegmund uh, in the first <laughs> round. And I, I actually asked you, had you been drinking? And then you said, <laughs> yes, a gin and tonic. Yeah, well, um, I think when I said that, though, I think that was pre-gin and tonic. But, um, well, I just thought Lara Ziegmund, you know, quarter-finalist at the French Open, into the twilight of her career, but, you know, younger than Serena still, um, who is also, I guess, in her twilight of her career. But I don't know, I just kind of feel like with Serena, I I wouldn't put it past her to lose in the first round to someone like Ziegmund or go all the way and win, win the damn thing. So... I just, I'm very, again, I'm very conflicted. Um, but I do feel like for Serena to get her 24th, you know, we've said this before, she's going to need to play extremely well, but she's also going to need the draw to open up for her. And I just feel like with this draw, you know, with the likes of Halep and Osaka and, you know, Sabalenka. Sabalenka, how many of those players are going to fall to allow Serena to kind of come through with even allowing for some of Serena's possible wobbles? Um her draw does look decent after Siegmund. Her draw does look decent until the fourth round. Um, and I do think she'll get past Sabalenka. But it's, yeah, I mean, I think just a semi against Osaka, I would have to go with Osaka. That's where I can't, I can't look beyond that. Um, but, I mean, we've also got Halep, you know, just to talk about her. She seemed to be playing all right uh, in the Gibson Trophy and then she came up against number 29 in the world, Ekaterina Alexandrova, who thrashed her two and one. So I don't know what to expect um, 
from from Halep now because <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Uh, it was a bit <laughs> no. reminiscent of Sviontek at the French Open. Yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't catch the match. I, I don't know if if uh, you know she was hampered by injury or, or whatever. But it it was very it was very surprising. It was as you said a Sviontek esque scoreline. So it feels like even her as as the second seed. Who knows? Who knows where that could go? I just think like it's just so. It could just open up anywhere. We haven't even, sp- we've only really touched on Garbinia Muguruza, um, who you know was in the Australian Open final last season. We've not really touched on her. She could have a good run. Von Drusova as well. She's been pr- in pretty good form as well. Uh, I mean, just generally that that bottom half is is quite um, is really well, is really really exciting. But um, let's let's look at that kind of top half and and let's start with with Ash Barty because. She is the she is the top seed. She is the world number one, and you know you look at her draw, and I think she I think she quite like it to be honest. It's it's quite um you know it's it's not as fraught with danger I think as some of the you know the other seeded players have, uh, particularly in in the bottom draft. Uh, sorry, in the bottom half, potentially contivate in in round four. I mean Alexandra actually in in round three. I guess that would be the the first sort of first sort of challenge potentially yeah and i had um danielle collins uh on the agenda for ash barty's section mm-hmm. possible quarter finalist if collins can kind of get through pliskova in the second round which she did uh this week she beat pliskova um looked fairly decent against serena as well took a set off her i mean yeah i feel like collins you know she got to the semis here two years ago she she's always up for it isn't she um but i don't think she would beat ash barty i, I don't yeah, I, f- I feel like Ash is is pretty good for the final. Um, I, I think she, you know, she's so relaxed, isn't she? I just, I love her demeanor. You know, you think, oh, she's got all this pressure on her. She's got stuff to prove. But I think if she's a good nick and she's quite relaxed, I think she's got a decent draw. I think she's on for the final. I mean, that's. I mean, it's 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 kind of crazy we're saying this because she the the, the amount of tennis she's not played, um, or, or sorry, the the time she's been out for, you don't feel like she should be able to just kind of walk back on a court, play one like lead up tournament, a, a day of exhibition tennis, and then kind of go into a final. But I think she has really kind of looked that good, um, and yeah, she. I it would not be surprised, particularly as. You know, it's not as dangerous, I think, um, or as troublesome in that in that top half. And she's got time, I think, to kind of play herself in. The fact that are also um, that also going to be fans there, I think that might help her help her kind of feed off of. Um, so you know, potentially make her a bit more intimidating to her opponents. So again, I think she'll be quite quite um, quite a, a formidable challenge. Um, Let's let's cut Kim. Let's go back actually very quickly to the bottom half because we didn't actually talk about someone I wanted to talk about. Bianca Andreescu. Um, she she she's she's in Australia. She's not played any tennis. She was going to play some tennis. She she withdrew. I was happy and then I was sad and then I was wondering is she going to drop out of the Australian Open again? Um, I really wanted to have her on our collector set predictions, but you said no because. It was just going to be, it was just too much of a risk if she was actually going to turn up. But it sounds like, it does genuinely sound like we're actually going to see her on a tennis court. <laughs> that sounds like I've been very harsh. I said no. Um, I forbid you, Joel. Um, yeah, I, I just, oh, I don't think we can expect too much. I think in an interview this week, she said that 
when she got back onto that court and played like her first practice set, she was like really, really sore the day after. Um, and I'm not surprised. I just, yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised. It's been so long since she's played like competitively that I just feel, you know, how is she going to withstand possibly seven matches um, with a body that's only just kind of coming back into, you know, uh, full on tennis again. So I just, I just can't see her being fit enough yet. And I think if you look at her second round, she could be playing Peronkova or Siwei Shea, who I think she might come unstuck against. Either of those matches would be so yeah. much fun. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. If my, my feeling is that, you know, if she's not going to play now, when is she going to play? Because she's literally gone through two weeks of quarantine. Um, you know, she's just gone through all these hurdles to play some tennis. She's there. She might as well just just see how it is because, um, you know, she's got, as I said, she's got nothing to lose. We know she's, a, you know, a great talent, but we're not, I don't think any of us are kind of expecting, uh, you know, her to kind of do a Sviontek and, and get get to the final or, or whatever. Um, we just want to see her back on a tennis court. And, you know, I think... I think that's really kind of the story here is that I, you know, I'm just, I just want to see her back on the court because that's where she belongs. And she's such a tremendous kind of fighter. Um, I want to see, I want to see how her game, I want to see how her game is and whether it's changed over, you know, the 18 months or so she's been, been off the tennis court. Yeah, I mean, she she could also be saying this, so we don't expect too much of her. It could be Very you know, true. Mm. her psychology. And I mean, I would love to see her playing fantastic again. You know, I, I think it would be such a shame if she couldn't get back, ever get back up to that level we saw, you know, in 2019. So I'm really hoping she, she does arrive, but I'm just being realistic, not going to expect too much from her. I mean, <laughs> Joel, we, we also have to... Um, you know, yeah, so she's in the bottom section. Um, I think if she did get fairly far I think she'd be looking at a fourth round with Kvitova or Von Drusova, um possible quarter with Osaka that'd be fun um but let's let's talk about the defending champion uh quickly because we've got Sophia Kenin who's in that top half would meet Barty in the semis I feel like Kenin I don't I don't I don't see her defending her title for two reasons um she's not looked particularly great coming into it which I know we can't necessarily take as you know, gospel because she's sort of looked a bit dodgy going into slams before. But I just feel like she's going to have the, the pressure on her, you know, being the defending champion, that kind of expectation. I just, I, I feel like the odds are against her. Um, and the way she's been losing, like she lost fairly comfortably to Muguruza, also to Sakari, you know, from a setup. I think if those have been re- really tight, scrappier matches, fine. But she kind of was just completely off, which doesn't really bode well. And also she could, you know, looking at the draw, she could play Kaya Kanepi in the second round, who loves a big, uh, loves a big upset with, you know, with that, uh, breaking of the, the Sabalenka streak earlier this week. Um, but I mean, even if she gets through that, it's still quite, you know, dangerous. I mean, Jennifer Brady, mm. I think also would be quite a difficult opponent potentially in round four. Um, but you know, Kenin's been in this situation before. I feel like we always write off, yeah. uh, Kenin unfairly so. Um, even as even as the champion, I mean, is she the most underappreciated, you know, current Grand Slam champion? I, I feel like we don't um, give her enough praise. But hey, maybe you know, I think she kind of thrives in these positions. To be honest, I think she loves being in that underdog, um, you know, state. And you know, you know, some people might say, yes, she doesn't have the most attractive game on the tennis court. 
but it's very very effective we saw that at the you know at the french open as well and um there's nothing to say that she could kind of go on another run as a game because she knows she knows what it takes she's you know i think she you know she got to two grand slam finals and won one of them last season she knows how to get there she knows what it takes so you know that experience might you know that might help her against some of the her opponents who who might not have been in that position before yeah, no, you you are right. I'm I'm just, and I think we said this before. But maybe <laughs> she's just playing deliberately poorly before uh, the slam, so she doesn't have that uh, pressure. And and then we do think of her as an underdog because she shouldn't be an underdog if she's the fourth seed and the slam champion. She's also got a dad in the corner who can you know put off put off all the <laughs> all her opponents all the way through to the final. So you yeah. know that's the, that's her X factor as well. Yeah. I mean, Joel, I feel like uh, we've been talking quite a lot about the women's draw already, but we, we have to also mention, uh, you know, there is Sabalenka, who was on a very good streak until it ended this week. But, you know, maybe actually having an early an early exit at the Gippsland Trophy has meant she's able to prepare better for the AO. We've got Iga Svontek, who could potentially play Halep in the fourth round again at a slam and uh, obviously is a, is a slam champion herself. We've got Jennifer Brady who made the semis in, in the US Open, who's in really good form this week um, at the Grampians event. We've got Azarenka, two-time former champion, uh, US Open finalist. I mean, where do you even, you know, start? She's in Kenin's quarter actually, but I, I think she's got a really tricky first round against Jessica Pakula. I wouldn't be surprised if if Vika loses that. Um, I don't want her to, but I, I do think that's quite a tough match. And then, you know, we've got the likes of Sakari, uh, Rybakina. I mean, there's just so many players that could throw a spanner in the works or, you know, kind of come through to like their first semi or something like that of a slam as well. And 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 from a British point of view, uh, we've got quite a few Brits actually in the in the women's draw. Mm. Um, let's just kind of took a look at some of the the matches because it's quite an interesting mix actually. Uh, we've got Katie Balter versus Kasatkina from Russia, Konta versus Kaja Yuvan, uh, Heather Watson versus Christina Pushkova, and then we've got Francesca Jones against Shelby Rogers. What do you what do you make of that list? I mean, it's it's quite interesting. I feel like there's a few opportunities there. What are your what are your first thoughts? I think they've all got opportunities to win, except for Fran Jones. Mm. Um, She's got she'll... the hardest one, hasn't yeah. she? Yeah. Shelby Rogers has played really well this week, um, and obviously had that kind of breakthrough at the US Open last year. So I don't expect Fran Jones to <laughs> uh, obviously come through that one, but I think Heather Watson has a chance. Um, I mean. I, I, that could be one of those edgy Heather Watson three-set matches that we've come to to grow to love. Katie Balter did very well against Naomi Osaka in the week, so because of that, you know, I feel like she could she could yeah. do quite well against Kazakina, who oh, isn't def- really definitely. you know isn't the player that she used to be. Um, and then Conta, yeah, that's a that's a doable draw for Joe. I was quite pleased that she hadn't got some sort of horrendous. Uh, you know, Sue Shay kind of match up or something. But yeah, I think, I mean, Joe's draw is um, decent. If she gets through that, she's got another set of qualifiers for the second round. But third round, she'd be looking at Jennifer Brady. And I don't know if, I don't know if Joe's kind of ready or in form enough for that. Uh, we know Joe kind of likes to build a bit of a streak up going in. So I'm not, not sure how far she's going to go. 
Yeah, that will be an interesting one. Uh, Conta versus Brady and then potentially Kennen, um, in the next, next round. Um, but yeah, I've got to say, I really, I watched a bit of Katie Balter versus Naomi Osaka and she looked fantastic. Um, I was really, was really, really impressed with her and I definitely would give her the edge, um, against Kasatkina if she can kind of put it all together as you said Kasatkina yes she, I think she was kind of well top 10 or there or thereabouts a few years ago but she's really kind of dropped off and sort of languishing around sort of 70 80 in the world at the moment so I think Katie Balter will kind of see that as an opportunity um, and as, as will kind of Heather Watson um, Fran Jones I think you know it, this is her obviously her first ever Grand Slam Grand Slam main draw debut coming through qualifying she'll just want to be you know Taking in that experience, uh, you know, it's going to be a very, I think, hard game against Shelby Rogers, who, you know, it, we've seen has been very, very good um, on the court recently. But um, yeah, I'm interested to see how they all go. Um, Kim, before we do some predictions, um, let's kind of talk about the Brits because we, at this point, well, let's do our, who is your kind of last Brit standing? We've kind of assessed the the women we've assessed the the men as well nori and and evo who are you who are you backing as the last brit standing oh uh well joe conta for the women i think round three she's gonna lose to brady and then i suppose um, i think i all i care oh. I, want, I just want overall so you think, well, I, think conta... I think evans or nori will also get to the third round but i just don't know which okay. one <laughs> So two third rounds. I think that would be quite a successful tournament for British players, uh, possibly. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I would be impressed if we see a Brit in the second week. Um, I'm actually going uh, similar. I'm going Joe Conta. I'm going outright. And I think she will beat Jennifer Brady, but I think she will lose. I've, for some reason, I just think she's going to lose to Kenin in the next round. I just feel like Kenin is just going to do something She's going to bring it all together. And um, yeah, I, I, I sense Conta will do well, but um, I think that she'll come kind of come unstuck against uh, against Kennan. Can I just throw in an, another prediction, not at all British related? Okay. Coco Goff versus Jill Teichman. Oh, I think of course. Jill Teichman's going to win that one. I swear they always keep playing each other. I know. And I, I, I think be, I could be completely wrong, but I just have a feeling. Each other earlier. <laughs> they played each other earlier this week. And I think Jill Teichman came through that in a very, no, no, sorry. Coco Goff came through that in a very tight, very, very tight uh, final set. But yeah, I, I agree with you. That is a very fit. Definitely. I don't think there's any more 50, 50 than, than that in terms of the matchup. <laughs> okay. So let's get on to our overall predictions for the women. Who have you got in your final four, Joel? Uh, who have you got in your final? <laughs> who have you got to win? <laughs> so final four, I uh, have gone Ash Barty versus Victoria Azarenka, which seems quite rogue because I know Azarenka was one of those players in the, the hard lockdown and has only, I think, played one match. I think she's scheduled on this evening, um, but I'm, I'm backing her. I think she's um, one of those players you can just kind of put it together when she needs to. So, okay, Ash Barty and Azarenka. And then in the bottom half, I'm going Garbinia Muguruza versus Serena Williams. Um, so I think both those players have showed great form this week. I'm not buying into the Serena Williams like injury injury um, at the moment. I think it's more of a precautionary thing. So those are my final four. I'm going for an Azarenka Muguruza final, which seems quite out there, but they're two of my they are two of my favourites. Like <laughs> think on 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 their day, they are 
you know, very formidable hitters from the, the back of the court. And I'd love, well, I'd just love to see that matchup. I don't think we've really seen that matchup before um, or that many times. So I'm going Azarenka Muguruza final with, with Azarenka as my women's Australian Open champion. Now, I would love to see Azarenka win it because it's been, you know, eight years since she won it last. I think that would be really remarkable if she came back to, you know, take the title again. Um, I have gone quite different to you, actually. I've gone, well, I've gone for Ash Barty, but I've gone for Jennifer Brady in the semi-final. And I've gone for Osaka and Serena in the other half. And then I've gone for a final with Barty and Osaka with Osaka to win. I think Osaka was my prediction when we did a, a season preview a, f- a few weeks ago. I think I'd put, I'm sure I put Novak and Osaka to win then. I'm I'm sticking with those predictions. So, mm. um, yeah, that, that's my, that's my, that's my lot. <laughs> Probably, I mean, my predictions, I have to say, for these pre-AO events, which we'll get onto in our next pod, my predictions have been absolutely shocking. <laughs> so I would ignore what I've just said, but yeah, there we go. Right, that's that's our kind of uh, look at the men's and women's draws uh, for the Australian Open. We're now going to move on to collect a set, uh, a passing shot tradition uh, when we, when it comes to Grand Slam tennis. And for all of our new listeners, collect a set is our kind of challenge for our listeners uh, and for ourselves actually, where we will give you six players. And what we would like you to do is tell us how far they get in the Australian Open by looking at their draws. Um, and what you want to do is you want to write them write them down, write the players down, where you think they'll get to, and then tell us I, either tweeting us or emailing us. Uh, however you want to tell us, uh, let us know before the first uh, first ball is in play on Monday. Yes, so we have... Um... Well, for the first time ever for, for Collector Set, we've got some player picks from our listeners who supported us in our crowdfunding campaign as either passing shot champs or passing shot goats. So we've got three picks from listeners and we've got three picks that have been chosen by ourselves. Um, for any listeners who did um, support us at that level um, you are and are still waiting for your Collector Set pick, you will be on our Roland Garros uh collector set so we'll be in contact regarding that so you haven't been forgotten about um so yeah for the women joel we've got um see three three women so um we had emily staracina one of our lovely supporters um her pick is on Zibor. so on Zibor is the first player on our collector set for the ao uh, we also had Mike, who's also one of our uh supporters on our crowdfunder and his pick was eager shriontek so I think that's some interesting names in there. Yeah, Bjorn and Svantec. And for the third uh, female player, that's one of our picks. And we've chosen Ash Barty. So we've gone for a bit of Aussie, Aussie flavour for collector <laughs> set. So for the women, we've got Onsjabor, Igor Svantec and Ash Barty that we'd like you to let us know how far they will go in the competition. It's so a good mix. It is a good quite mix. Quite an interesting mix there. Some excellent picks from our listeners, uh, Onziabor and Igor Sviontek. I mean, Sviontek, again, we just don't know. We've seen her do it on clay court. Can she do it on a hard court? We're going to find out. Onziabor as well on her day is, is a very combative player, I think, and has definitely got the tools to kind of trouble the, the best on the tour. So, um, yeah, I'm interested to see what people put for those three. Moving on to the men, we've also got uh, three picks for you. We've got two passing shot picks and we've also got an anonymous uh, pick from one of our listeners as well. So I'm going to start with the anonymous pick 
and that is Alex de Menor. So uh, one of our listeners, yeah, Alex de Menor. And then our our two passing shot picks are Dominic Team mm. and Yannick Sinner. So our three men are Alex de Menor, Dominic Team, and Yannick Sinner. Yeah, and um, we will put that on Twitter. So if you forget, um, just look on our Twitter page uh, and Instagram and Facebook as well. Um, and let us know. Tweet us or, you know, Insta us, Facebook us, email us, passingshotpod at gmail.com. Let us know your predictions. Um, We normally obviously just ask you to pick kind of round one, round two, round three, round four, quarterfinals, semifinals, final or win, um, which will be the case again. But just uh, to clarify, if you think that a player is going to get to the final, we want you to tell us whether you think they're going to win or whether you think they're going to be the runner-up. So you can't just put final. You need to specify <laughs> runner-up or winner. Um, that'd be fantastic. And we will announce our predictions for Collector Set on our catch-up show this coming Sunday. But please tweet us or email us um, to put your picks into the hat. And we do have a special prize for the winner. Uh, one of our I don't know if they're famous, Joel, but they we have famous Kim. <laughs> they're worldwide famous. World famous passing shots pod uh, mugs for you to enjoy your hot beverage in. And you may get some cheeky tea bags uh, sent with that as well if you do win. So, uh, and you'll be added to the Hall of Fame on our website as well. So, what more could you possibly want? If you actually want to seek inspiration or from the winners of previous kind of collector set editions, just go onto the website, uh, www.thepassingshot.co.uk and you can see the collector set hall of fame, um, to see, uh, how many picks you need to get right in order to be in with a chance to win. But as Kim said, we will be announcing our, um, our picks on uh, our Sunday catch-up show from all the tournaments this week. I'm really interested, Kim, to see what people think about Yannick Sinner. Do they think he's going to get past Shapovalov in, in round one or how far people are going to think he's going to go? I know. I, I don't know what I'm going to pick yet as well. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I think I'll go for Sinner. I think um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Sinner fan, I have to say. Um, and... Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see him go far. But um, yeah, let us know, listeners. Uh, let us know your thoughts. And let us know your thoughts about the draw as well. Because uh, if you've been listening to us discuss it for the last hour, I'm sure you've got a few opinions of your own that you'd like to share with us. So we'd love to hear them as well. And make sure to subscribe to The Passing Shot if you want to stay up to date on all the tennis from the Australian Open. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, CastBox, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe button to stay informed with The Passing Shot. And if you are enjoying our content on Apple Podcasts, make sure to leave us a rating and comment. And you can follow us on social media if you don't already. We are on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Passing Shot Pod. So do uh, send us a tweet, send us a message, let us know your thoughts. And you can also drop us an email, passingshotpod at gmail.com. We will be back with a catch up on Sunday, uh, taking in all the tournaments that have happened this week, including the ATP Cup finals action, as well as the events that I can't remember the names of uh, in the, on the ATP side and the WTA side, as well as any other kind of breaking Australian Open news over the coming days. So um, I hope you can join us for that one. In the meantime, 
have a think about your collector set predictions uh if you want to win that passing shot mug and, and let us know uh via tweet or via email we'll also put the names of the players in the description for this episode so you can start to have a think about them but um yeah we will be back on sunday i hope you can join us then and we'll see you again soon When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.